What's up, podcast? Recording this little intro from the hotel across the street from Urban Surf, where I'm here for the Found Future Waves event today. Um, got this podcast ready with Brendan Newton, quickly doing an edit in the hotel room before we get in the water. Um, Brendo's actually rocking up here as well for a surf, so enjoy this podcast. It was recorded last year uh, down in Brendo's home. We start with an ice bath. We go from there and have a really good long chat. Um, pretty special one. Go pretty deep. Enjoy. It's as close to ice as possible. Yeah, it's pretty pretty icy. All right. I think we'll get straight into it. Yeah. Did you think about that question? Um, no, I've always wanted people to ask um, about my mind because I've had a lot of time um, with the bad anxiety and OCD, like crippling. So okay. I've always asked wanted people to ask about that because it's like the the thing that hurts me the most and it's the biggest challenge of my life but it's like um everyone always asks about you know big waves and stuff where that's just a byproduct of my mental turmoil interesting yeah it's a really interesting way to start a podcast too isn't it that's a little behind the scenes on what happens before i usually talk to people about uh the podcast ask them what's the question that nobody ever asked them and that's it so we're going to dive into anxiety and ocd and i reckon brendan newton are you feeling anxious now in the ice or how do you how do you feel when you jump into these ice baths uh it's like forced meditation so it actually stills the mind um so it's a great feeling it's actually funnily enough how i evolved to be really attracted to big waves because aside from the skill set physiology required it's also a mental meditation to be have your life in danger Mm. because it's you don't have to think about anything because nothing matters anymore it's just you and the ocean and then if you you have to employ some element of trust in that situation which is incredibly liberating yeah but would you say, because are you relax? Like you're relaxing into this meditatively, or is the word relaxing really applicable to this moment? Or it's... I just do my best to observe the pain that's in my fingers and other yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. that observation becomes a meditation. Um, relaxing. Um, I suppose neuro- neurologically, neurally, I am relaxing because my brain stops slowing down. You're only just because so you're rel- observing the feelings, not thinking about anything else. Yeah. Hmm. It's a really interesting way to start a podcast. Um, the reason why I was really interested to take us through an ice bath while we talk is because I assumed that there was this relationship with pain because in your bodyboarding life, you did suffer a lot of pain from your exploits. So are you saying when you were in those big wave circumstances there was a certain relaxation that you felt and that pain was just part of the, the deal when or the consequence and that you could relax into pain as well in that moment? Um, so there's two sides to it. There's 
manipulating your body and knowing the ocean and, and connected to that flow that's like a natural skill set which is wonderful to explore which I did yeah. for 20 years but there's also the ability to essentially meditate in the broadest sense of the word mm. when you have danger mm. so I think that's what appeals to the 19 year old you know loose cannon who wants to drive their car fast or, mm. or, or catch big waves or, or get pissed or you know do crazy stuff it's like it's really appealing to get that buzz because it, it's a release it's like a euphoria that uh, I suppose we're crying out for at that age and which now in your 36th or 37th year I yep. guess do you, you do cry for it now and is this the moment you get it um, good question um, yes and then I also got a cool job where I get to have really risky conversations on a global level Okay. Um, essentially, like, rejection is a really a real element of my day-to-day -day work, which are... Rejection? Yeah, 100%. So it's like hitting up people if they want to do some cool stuff to help change the world. That's like a really bold question. People have a lot of criticism about that, but I've learned to refine my ask to the point where, like, I'm ready for rejection and there's a certain leveling that comes with that rejection which is in a way it's like the 20 foot wave in a different format i thought this when i when i was driving here i was um i did a quick shout out to people online just to say hey i'm about to go and see brendo um i'm going to talk to him about some of these questions around the psychology of these big waves and pain and motivation and stuff like that and I was like I'm going to go deep and philosophical and psychological and I was kind of just saying it off the cuff but I mean within how long five minutes we've gotten real deep real quick <laughs> yeah I don't know like, and, deep, and deep's a funny word that like people use with me a lot but yeah it's not something I mean to do it's like just natural so uh, it's weird when people kind of criticize with me for being deep or too religious what intense stuff. or i don't know yeah let's 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 swing across to religious because that was one of the questions i asked people to send any this is going to be hard for me to focus now but try to stay next to me so we keep your voice in the in the scheme but religion i remember when we were younger i remember that religion was part of your i assumed motivation is it is it still something that plays a big role in your life um no no i don't i don't like religion because it's based off rules and frameworks um however the deep desire to connect with a higher power and trust a, a higher tel intelligence is mm. um for me um like critical to having a level of sanity and joy mm. did that um but when you were younger, Christianity was the was the choice. Was it? Were you born again, or were you, did you grow up with it? Yes, fascinating. And um, this is like the biggest regret of my life. I I was very obsessive compulsive with Christianity and um, very evangelistic. And um, I suppose I bent my ability to convince people to do things into my conversations, feeling guilt that uh -huh. if I didn't have um, a level of evangelism or telling people about Jesus that it would be um, 
I wouldn't be doing good enough, which I suppose points to the lack that I felt within myself. Um, that probably came from childhood or just human condition. Mm. Do you have to, are you doing good enough? Like, are you doing good enough? Mm. Um, which kind of became a really painful cycle of my discovery of Christian religion. Um, and I really regret that and I feel really sad that I lost a lot of friends through that. Through what, you you getting a little too full on with it? Probably. And especially I remember you were very full on, like it was a very personal, um, you were almost in a personal conversation with Jesus, essentially. Yeah. I remember I remember really distinctly once, I was, I think the Shark Island comp was on once and we were doing a tow-out session, it was like a little tow-out comp during the Shark Island window and and you know everyone was there and I bumped into you and you were kind of just cruising on your own and I don't know if you were in the comp that year or not, I think you must have been, you must have been in the comp I reckon, but you were there and I said, oh, what have you been up to, Brenda? And you go, oh, just, I've just been talking to Jesus a lot. And I'm like, oh, okay. And how's that going? You know, like it was kind of this thing where mm. I'd never heard someone speak about it on that personal connection like you mm. did. And was it that, like, how, is that the obsessive compulsive part of you that kind of takes it? Was that taking you to that really personal level where you were like, yeah, yeah so I'm in a very close I was probably painting, I was probably, like, it was operating on two levels, and it's really mm. hard for people to understand. Like, I genuinely was trusting in a higher power, which really did help me in waves and other things, mm. like, in, in de general day-to-day, -day and the, the way my life and marriage shaped up mm. was, like, really special, because that trust kind of was founded um, before any of the good stuff. Mm-hmm sort of happen but then there's that obsessive compulsive stuff where I'm talking to Jesus like I cringe when you're saying that because I feel a little bit like that's really fucking weird like <laughs> you know? yeah. I wasn't going to say it that way but I remember in the moment because you know we were in our early 20s it was like I must have been I was 22 we must have been 20 like yeah early 20s and it's a funny time when you're in your early 20s I mean it's a really impressionable time and it's mm. a really formative time you know there's a lot of hormones and ideas and i'm just gonna grab a towel go for it i'll finish my question in a second <laughs> i'll freeze here for the audience <laughs> oh brendo took this a lot easier than i did but i gotta say if you haven't indulged in ice bath yet you really should because the moment I get out of this ice bath I'm going to feel like a million bucks oh but yeah that age it's it's an interesting age and but so when did that when did that start for you with Christianity when did you kind of go into that church like when did that kind of happen um, what took so, you there in the beginning yeah so when i was 14 15 like partying with mates trying to get chicks on the northern beaches like we yeah um i would always go to church before i did that so before i sunk you know six beers or whatever and went to avalon rsl and <laughs> tried to kiss 13 chicks it was like i'd always go to church the hour before it yeah, get it covered and well i don't know get it covered i suppose it looks like that doesn't it but, but there was also a really personal nuance um, desire and connection between me and the higher power I'd sort of framed up in my mind which was actually very real and still is real today so yeah, there's right. like some very real 
threads to that was like fucking critical to everything I do. Yeah. But there's this weird religious frame that um, gets a hold of my cognition, yeah. which is OCD. Yeah. And that's when it drives to a really embarrassing space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the thorn in my flesh. Like I've never been able to get rid of my OCD. Um, and it grabs onto everything that's important to me. Yeah. Not only religion, my kids, my wife. Yeah, you focus, you yeah, get like into the details on yeah, it, yeah, and you get and, fully, you're and, all in. Yeah, all in, but then to the point where it's dysfunctional and you're so yeah. all in that you make yourself sick, which yeah. I did. Yeah. And I was, you know, anxiety clinics, like, medicate. I'm still medicated. Yeah? Um, yeah, like, um, really, really hard stuff, but ultimately I'm very thankful, honestly. I'm thankful that I've got OCD because what it's allowed me to do is really zone in on a natural practice with what what's the best depth of me which yeah. is uh, aside from the mental noise I go into my body and I'm able to go I'm okay mm. you know my life's okay and I can connect with that higher power and I'm forced to do that because mm. of my neurological stress that OCD causes yeah yeah so it's like I'm thankful for it. it's taught me probably my biggest lessons but fuck it's annoying like bad I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure and I mean I, I envy it might be a funny thing to say but I know I've spoken to Hardy about his um, mental health challenges on the podcast before and um, see I survived everyone you can do it yourself um, oh. and I said to him in that podcast episode I was like oh I always wish I had a little bit more of it because I feel like guys who have the OCD and have that ability to be so focused on things into their minute details they um they get a lot of really interesting things achieved as well like so i i kind of think my take on hardy is you know like he became so perfect in his bodyboarding yeah because of like without ocd i don't think he would have gotten there because it was that ability to really like dissect every single muscle in the body and worry about how well crossed his legs were and the tweak of his invert and you know, like it, it kind of helped him become what he is. And um, without it, it's not going to happen, you know? Sure. But, um, but yeah, but of course, there's this point where it takes you into sickness and and whatnot. Jeez, how long? Were we, we, I think we covered five minutes each in that then, didn't we? Oh, that was gnarly. I set us up a nice little spot to sit and chat out of the sun. I think it's also where your kids play. <laughs> I thought it was really cute. So we've got like two pillows there. Oh, so we can just oh, sit yeah, back lovely. and like That's relax. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but so you know, you mentioned at the start that like, what you'd always hoped someone might ask you about is this anxiety and this this OCD and how it's played yeah, a part just, in your life. Yeah, but mostly like not the religious, um, telling people I talk to Jesus stuff. Like, no, no, no. I wanna, I want people to ask like, what's really going on in your mind? Because honestly, I want. I want to be a good person. Like I want to be someone who's, who um, is genuinely engaged in the pursuit of a great life for me and others. And I want to fight for people. Like I want to, okay, you know, do cool things with my life that I perceive as, you know, brave and admirable. Yeah. But when people mistaken me for just this evangelistic tool who gets religious about stuff, Mm. um, and sort of blocks them out of relationships like I suppose I just want people to see like the pain mm. that I go through um, 
whereas they just see the surface byproduct of probably an annoying religious guy. Well, you've said you're not, you know, longer there in that Christian space, right? So that's behind you. Yeah. So what, what is that? What is going on in your mind then today? I think it's interesting though. Like, I guess I want to take a step back though, because it's interesting. Like how, so 14, 15 year old into Christianity, you were kind of covering your bases before you had your six beers and went off and chased a bit of sin in yeah. the evenings. Yeah. But it, it continued for quite a while in your life. And it, and that, that belief in a higher power and that be- that you kind of had that driving you yeah. in your bodyboarding, right? Like you kind of, is that what was part of, or the surface level part of Brendo's motivated because he's got God on his side and he knows he's covered? Is that kind of what was going through your head when you were chasing those big waves and committing to such, you know, gnarly circumstances? Yeah, I, I suppose it helped me. It, more so, it was just a trust in the background, but I think I brought it to the foreground in all my conversations because of OCD. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in your motivation, in your action, Yeah. like there's not many conversations in the surf, you're just like, I'm going this 24 hours. Yeah, wave. yeah, is this like underground trust um, yeah. that it's all going to be okay, and that still lives with me every day. Like, yeah. um, if my daughter got hit by a car or if like... You know, I don't know, a tsunami ro- rolled over us now, like, mm. I'd go straight to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you've left Jesus out of it now? 100%. Okay. So, well, what's the higher power feel like to you now, then, if it's not related to any of the monotheistic kind of gods that we've, that a lot of people kind of rely on in their lives, like, what does that higher power look like to you now, like, and how do you build that trust in it? Oh, once someone once told me that most people that go on this gnarly journey of trying to discover a higher power or relate to a higher power is that they climb the mountain, some of them climb the back of the mountain, some climb the front. Yeah. But you end up at the same peak if and like those different gods and different pathways up, like that you can kinda of claim them, blah blah blah, but when you're at the top you realise they're all the same. Okay. Yeah. And when did that realisation strike you? Probably the last four uh, three years yeah oh really yeah. so it's pretty recent to yeah. get to that point mm-hmm. okay so was it was there was it anything so it wasn't necessarily was there discontent with the church itself like it, like how does that process come about you know because i know a lot of i've got friends who've gone through similar journeys and you know they go through this kind of they needed something to drive their purpose and mm. i feel like they grabbed christianity or they they embrace with a spiritual side of themselves to give them this purpose drive mm. but often they kind of work through the motions of it and they get onto the to the top of the peak and they go oh you know what I'm, I'm in a good space and there's a lot in there that doesn't make a lot of sense yeah yeah and I'm happy to continue on this journey on my own now yeah like I suppose there's a lot of great things it's funny how we put content or words around things and frameworks and, mm. and institutions and religions but ultimately we're going to the top of the mountain to experience um, peace mm. or clarity or whatever and once you've got that mm. like and that serves your values which is like I want to help eliminate poverty and pain and things like that like mm. I suppose if it's just in that place you have peace like what why do you need to put it in a frame and 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 put it under um unnecessary terms and words yeah yeah okay so it's kind of like this whole idea of you kind of transcend the framework yeah 
hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And coming to this point of like what's going on in your mind around this obsessive compulsive and the, the anxiousness around that, you said you've always wanted people to kind of ask what's going on in here. Yeah. Well, we've so what, been is, able to, what is going on in there? Yeah. And we've been able to cover a little bit now. I'm not yeah. sure if people understand like the trajectory of this conversation has gone pretty fast. Particularly <laughs> if you're a 14-year-old boy who only cares about, you know, get, picking up chicks and, and doing air reverses at Mandarin Wedge. Like, I don't, I don't even know if this is going to be any relevant at all. Like, I reckon people are listening. Don't worry. They may not understand all of it, but they're going to listen to it twice. No are going to go up on this one. I'm really happy. Um, it's nice to have a laugh. Yeah. Um, what's the question? What's going on in there now? Like you said, you wish people asked you about the kind of um, what's going on in your mind with this anxiety and this kind of journey that you're on, mm. getting rid of the frameworks and things like that. Like what you said, you mentioned that you're still medicated for it. Like how does this kind of play into your life and how do you work with it? Yeah. Because I think that's an interesting thing for some, that a lot of people out there are suffering anxiety yeah. and OCD. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I suppose like stillness mm. and not, not operating out of fear mm-hmm. is kind of like the... the lowest common denominator of every human experience mm-hmm. so if we're operating out of fear or compulsion that immediately gives me a signal to rest uh-huh. and to go alright cool it's that voice again I've mm-hmm. known you for 30 years you know mm-hmm. like um, and you can go into a place of being observant or engaged in what you want to do but being motivated by compulsion or fear is the biggest fucking curse on planet earth mm. and like it's so beautiful to have i suppose the tools at the age of 36 to be able to go oh yeah i, I know i know you like mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um but whereas in 25 when i was charging big barrels and doing media and stuff like i didn't have those tools but i was on a good journey you know like, I, I really appreciate i look back with real fondness on all that yeah learning yeah yeah so yeah. you look at it um, do do you look do you recognise any recklessness in there though? Like, did you have a bit of a death wish at the same time? Were you kind of really just pushing it, or was it really just this? Like, what was the what was the point back then? Like, what what were you trying to achieve something? What was going? Do you remember mm. what was going through your mind? Yeah, and what absolutely. You from it, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, absolutely didn't have a death wish. I mean, when I caught my heaviest wave, I was like married to this sexy fun girl who I was literally going to get married to in 4 months and mm. like like life was good there was like plenty of fruit you know <laughs> like like I, and not just in terms of like you know like you know sex and all other things it was like more life was like really good there's plenty of cool things yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. kind of almost whipping myself into behaving for the fear that life was too good uh-huh um it's like when i was 12 i used to have a cold shower just to because i thought warm showers were too fun <laughs> you know like it's <laughs> fucking weird but that's just no it's not i it understand like, what so yeah. is this like a little bit of a first world problem a little bit like you kind of 
you're a bit fatalistic because it was just all a bit too good and easy. Yeah, it was all too good. So you're like, how do I make this harder? Because yeah. it doesn't seem fair that yeah, I'm having that was, this was, much the, fun. There was that part of it. Yeah. Um, and then what was driving me at the peak of my career and big wave re- recklessness, like, I wanted to essentially change the world and give people freedom. And the only way I knew how to do that for the 400-odd Aboriginal kids that I knew at the time Mm. was to catch the biggest wave in the world and say you can trust God with your life regardless of the domestic violence or regardless of the fucked up things in your life. You can trust God, yeah. And that's what I wanted to prove. Okay. And it wasn't reckless. I loved life. Um... People say, oh, you know, it's really dangerous and stuff. And that's their opinions. That's their own fears creeping into the experience, mm. which is fine. Yeah. I think there's much more dangerous things we can do with our days, like rather than big waves. Like, you know, the reality is not a lot of people die in that moment, even though they put themselves in these crazy circumstances. Like, there's a level of preparedness oh, that 100%. you were going through. It wasn't yeah. like you were just some average Joe off the street, yeah. taken off yeah. and dealing with it. You know, there's a lifetime of skill development. Yeah, that... 100%, and particularly unique in my own physiology. Like, I knew yeah. when I was 12 years old, I could run through any back line in, in Union. Like, <laughs> and I knew it's because of that ATTP system. Like, I actually was physiologically really strong in the first 10 metres of running the ball. Yeah, And right. I knew when I was scooping barrels that I was really strong strength to weight. Yeah, 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 So yeah. I knew that I could scoop the biggest barrels in the world physiologically. Yeah. So there's that story yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I don't think it's... um. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that about their physio- physiology playing such a part in yeah, their yeah, body yeah, yeah, being yeah. so attuned to it was that was that on your mind back then was that like part I of your felt invincible so yeah. i knew that it was the same as running the i remember when i was 13 years old knowing there was 15 rugby union players right in front of me mm. i knew that if i put my mind to it i could run through every one of them and get a try i just knew it <laughs> I, did, I scored five tries and i was just like yep like and it's just because I knew that if I employed every ounce of my determination, I could literally run through anything. And I, I, that sense of confidence and like, yeah, this is okay, yeah. was at play when I was scooping barrels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Was there a calmness in you? So there's a lot of confidence in that, right? Like if confidence, you're, yeah, if you're flow, like, flow, natural yeah. flow, like, yeah. yeah. So when you're out there in the lineup, back in the in the in the hectic days of these big wave exploits and you know pushing it first of all you got god on your side because you've got this kind of strong belief that mm. everything's going to be okay you've got an awareness of your own physical abilities because you knew this about your ability to kind of punch through yeah you know the the back row yeah at 10 meters yeah 11 meters though maybe not so likely but 10 yeah, meters yeah. got well, it that's, covered that's that's when my strength starts to wear off 100 <laughs> meters i never did any good yeah, at. exactly yeah, yeah. but like so you've got all that going on and and in that because i just want to linger on the actual moment of these experiences a bit more and how can others maybe learn from what you did and how can they find a that's a really interesting in, thing in learn from what i did wow yeah. Because you only learn by doing yourself, really. Like, my job is to try to convince, you know, thousands of marginalised kids to to believe in themselves and, and make yeah. good choices and not smoke bongs and whatever. Yeah. 
but there's no such thing as convincing anyone to do anything. It's it's about someone going on a journey, and if anything, at best, I could serve as a as a row for a bumper bowling. Like I might just get it, like, <laughs> you know, like but they're gone and like yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, okay, well, in those bumpers, I'd like to view those bumpers in this conversation as insights that maybe someone can listen to and go, okay, next time I'm in that that big set comes towards me and I'm freaking out. I, I heard Brando on this podcast once say how he, in a similar circumstance, had these things going through his mind which mm. helped him deal with that stressful situation. I know for me, in my most recent coming back into bodyboarding and surfing at a wave like Fronton, which is really intimidating and quite scary when it gets big, I had this ability to just relax into my own breath. And that was it in competition. That was all I did. And I got my best results in years. Beautiful. Because I just breathed mm. and accepted that a wave was going to come and it was going to be big. And I, all I had to do was focus on paddling, scooping, and keeping a good line and getting the hell out of there. Nice. And that was it. Yeah. And so now when people ask me how did I do that, that's what I tell them. Yeah, nice. What we, What are your kind of guiding principles that you used apart from you got God on your side, you got an awareness of your physiology but in the moment how could you keep it together and get it done oh, I'd love to answer that question I'm going to check my phone because someone someone really wants you don't they yeah run over I'll edit this okay, bit out Okay, sorry. that question's going to stand no that's alright <laughs> It's probably what it's a TV show not working out. Oh, it's picking up the phone. It's been in the sun though. No, that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure, man. That'd be good, thanks. It's really nice talking about this stuff. Yeah, cool, man. I mean, I think it's really, um, it's really important to get it out there. There's a lot of people who... Like, you know, like I think there's this interesting 
cohort that listen to the podcast, which are, they know, they remember you and they they remember the generation before and are interested in the guys before than they are maybe so much other guys now because mm-hmm. it's like an older audience. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Kind of well, thought, that's fascinating. And they're mostly the people that I feel um, misunderstood by, Yeah. which is... Um, such a grief for me because I love those people like I want to be their friends but they think I'm a weirdo like I don't think they think you're a weirdo I don't know like it's not that's not the vibe I get I think it's more like they want to understand you because you took yourself to a place that was so extreme and one of the questions that came through we'll get to it but it was from someone who said why did he just leave bodyboarding like why did he leave so some, it seems like you vanished. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the questions. But we'll get to that. Let's try and get some advice for the the Groms out there who might listen to this or the people who are bodyboarding still today and they just want to find a way to cope in those extreme kind of wave circumstances. Like, what what are the guiding principles that you can offer? Oh, well, what, what's motivating them to want to cope in those... Do they want to catch big waves? I don't know. If they want to do Let's that... Let's assume they do. Yeah, okay. Um, well, if you want to catch big waves, um, there, there's like a... As we've talked about, there's a really complex makeup. You can't kind of just... You can't just... Um, um, copy a blueprint of someone and then do it. Like, it's... You go spend time in waves. Figure out, like, how, how it makes you feel. And if you do catch big waves... Um, and it may make you fearful. Um, there's something that's making you fearful. Maybe that's not for you, or because mm. you want to be in flow. You don't want to just do it like for a photo or like do it for a an achievement. I suppose an achievement's good if you want to do that. Like I think it can be an achievement, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I know yeah. that problem of the photo. Yeah. Like I mean, that's that's crazy. Like I mean, it's really disturbing when that is, and I think that motivation is real in some people. Particularly, I think, in a lot of guys in our generation, when there was that, mm. still the magazines were pumping out yeah. and we, we all would have our... I mean, I remember my motivation when I was in Hawaii and every other year. Yeah, 100%. Guy, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want that one wave at Pipeline. I want Mitch Rawlins' moment and I want it. Yeah. I want to make that big moment. Yeah, and yeah. I want to, you know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So it's pretty gnarly. It's cool to talk about. Yeah. Uh, in terms of some advice for catching yeah, waves, yeah. like maybe... Um, just work your way up, like surf heavy breaks and then work your way up, like mm. surf at four foot and then maybe five foot and then maybe, you know, mm. tr- try to figure out a way that you could do it um, at eight foot or whatever. And then, mm. um, so that's really what I did. Like I started when I was 11, 12, I was surfing like six foot closeouts and just scooping and, and that was really natural. Mm. Really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, so there has to be an element of joy to it. Mm. Otherwise, there's no point in really doing it. Um in terms of like what do you do in that moment yeah I suppose you're forced to be present and put yourself in a position I try to think about the wave doing all the work so like you don't actually have to do much you just position your body on your board and in the water in a way where the wave actually does all the slurping for you and you just ride it yeah Yeah. so yeah that's a bit of a letting go yeah yeah kind of thing as well like a controlled release um I remember once Bullet, I was going on my first ever, uh, first trip or one of the first trips I went to Tahiti and I was freaking out and um, I think I was 16, 
17. Yeah, I remember I was like, fuck, how did he get on that trip? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the super tour, man. <laughs> well, this one was a, a very late notice call from Ian Stewart, who, God, looking back on it, it was a pretty dumb idea. And there was a swell going towards Chopes, and I was up at Kira. At the, there was this kind of high-performance clinic thing, and we were doing some bodyboard stuff me Mitch Hall and I think Alex Bunting was up there and a couple other guys and we were getting some coaching from Bullet and we were with these other surfers and stuff I actually think Paul Fisher was there too he was yeah he was definitely there I remember him really clearly the fish and um we're getting all this coaching and then I get this call from Ian Stewart he's like hey mate uh big swell come to Chopu and uh you know you you want to get on this with us we're going to leave in two days mm. and we're going to you know, it's going to be probably six to eight feet. You know, you know, intense Ian Stewart. Yeah. I'm 16. Matt Widar, Tyson Williams, Ben Holland, and me. We're going on. The, that's who was on the on the lineup. And yeah. I was like, Yeah. Oh, let me ring Dad and see if I can go. And so you know, ring my dad. He's like, Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. I'm like, Righto. So I'm like, Yeah, Stu's, I'm going to come. And then I'm like, Bullet is was the coach. I'm like, oh, Shit. You got any got any advice? I'm about to go to Chopu for mm. a big swell. And it was mm. before the WCT. It was on like a week before the WCT. Mm. So it was packed with every mm. pro surfer you could imagine. It was really ridiculous. Tyson got a cover out of it though, which was really cool. And Bullet's advice to me at the time, he's like, you just got to learn to fall off well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, learn how to wipe out yeah, yeah, and yeah. don't get hurt. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, at the time, I was like, thanks a lot, Bullet. That's really, really good advice. That's that was really, good really good advice. So, like, that actually comes back to what I was thinking. Yeah. It's not about riding the wave. It's like I grew up, like, jumping off cliffs and, like, um, swimming in my pool at home a lot yeah. um, and almost wiping out a lot. And, you, and if you put yourself in the center of a wave and you mm. ride it so it's very completion till it fully closes, like, there's such safety in that. Ocean. There is, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was such a weird thing to get told at the time, and like it felt like a vote of no confidence in my abilities. Yeah. So like Chopes, like, yeah. oh yeah, you're just going to get closed <laughs> out on and probably die. It's yeah. like, so learn to not die. Um, but it was quite funny to get that advice, and it's true, right? Like that type of advice, whilst it seems really counterintuitive, it's like, yeah, just try to make sure you find the best way out of that situation. And mm. so was that conscious for you as well when you were wiping out? You were you you'd been preparing yourself yeah yeah well, yeah like I it seemed like you used to put yourself in such hopelessly gnarly situations on some waves like mm. some waves you'd go and it's just like i think i love i love the that? buzz yeah. of there being very little chance of anything good coming from it <laughs> other than like you you yeah. take off it's like you you're being brave yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah it's like i love that idea of being brave and then like you sort of it's such a buzz, like, yeah. and then you've got to trust God. Like, I love that yeah. ability to go, and God's like a really, um, really tainted word, but like, yeah. you you got to trust that it's going to be okay. Like, yeah. it, it's it's um such a beautiful feeling because yeah. you're just like, I'm okay, <laughs> you know, like, and there's no more to it. And it's just gorgeous. It's such peace. Like, That's great. And when you've lived a life of like neural turmoil, like it's the best feeling on planet Earth. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, this yeah. is good. Yeah. That's classic. That's classic. Oh dear. 
Okay, well, I think we, we dived into the bodyboarding there. I mean, the thing that popped up for me through that, that chat, um, you mentioned that there was this kind of motivation in you to inspire the 400 Aboriginal kids through your big wave exploits. Mm. And it kind of jumped out at me for a couple of reasons. Like, and the questions kind of came from that are, do you think it did inspire that this whole thing about trusting God, 100%. things will be all right? Okay. And, but why Aboriginal people? Where does that kind of focus come from you in terms of your m- mission and purpose? In yeah. Terms oh, of, yeah. What, what, where does that, that come from? Good question. And that's a highly politicized stuff that's, too. That's why I'm going there. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and it's not political at all. I went to this community called Geringer just adjacent to the town my wife or girlfriend was living at and I sat on the grass there in the midst of some of my periods of anxiety and it's always been a part of me I grew up leaning my head against the window quietly repeating to myself this prayer I make up, made up saying please help me to help the needy please help me not to judge people please help me not to treat people the way I'd like people to treat me like and I always talk about the needy in my prayers mm. and and um, Aboriginal people, just to get clear, are not needy. All I'm saying is that I had such a hunger to be around people that had guts and, and story and resilience and grit and, and pain and... Um, just fell in love with this community i sat on the grass rolling balls to the you know playing playing footy with like 13 year olds and it was my most peaceful moment of my life just spending time with these kids and i taught them how to bodyboard like it was just such a like just there was no bullshit it was so beautiful like Mm. and it was such an escape from my mental turmoil of like performance and Mm. study and all the other things that you kind of grow up deeming as um important but they're not important like it's just such a beautiful experience for me to be immersed in this aboriginal people who accepted me so kindly Mm. and i love the threat also of like because they're so thick skins that you drive through the 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 town sometimes and they'll like yell at you and shit and just to be accept accepted and to sit with them was just um really beautiful so i i felt like if i can do anything with this level of fame i've got with the small subculture that is bodyboarding i want to be able to get these kids the perspective that even though life can be really fucked up you can have this level of depth and trust Mm. that makes you invincible and Mm. that's the kind of thing that i felt like i could do for those kids that meant so much to me like Mm. and i still get phone calls on a weekly basis from these kids and they are like i consider them in every unconventional term my my brothers sisters sons Mm. uncles like and that that connection is so real Mm. i went to rec bay one time and they told a story about this elder told a story about like it was if it was was like some like folklore about the helicopter that picked me up in wa like when i was lost at sea and like for me that's like emotional that they talk about that and they are like the heroes of our land like they've got these crazy stories of survival amidst um 
amidst the uh, genocide that it's just such a such a rich story and for them to value um some of the heart i've put into my life like that's just everything mm. and so um yeah i don't that's what bodyboarding became to me like having people feel like they could access that that high power in their life like mm. you know um was that um just to stick on aboriginal people because it's just, it's a it's an interesting thing um for uh white fellas but i mean do you do you have average are you aboriginal like do you no. have any in your no, yeah there's no I, connection in no. your ancestry no, i've always wished there was but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not nah so me neither but like for me it's been this really challenging relationship because i've just felt always quite uncomfortable as a white guy in australia ever since i went to university i think where i started to learn a lot about yeah um the dispossession, the genocide, the, you know, the persistent inequality and the persistent structural racism mm. in Australia that, mm. I mean, it's still here with us, very much still here with us today and it just seems like this really challenging space and for me it was a lot easier to not be here and to not have to be, feel bad about being a white guy in mm. Australia and yeah, all the yeah. privileges that come with that. Yeah. So that's why I, I feel like for me, the first time I, I, I remember feeling a really strong sense of home when I was in the UK because yeah, okay. my grandmother is from there and yeah, my okay. history is from there, my, my ancestors. Yeah. And I remember feeling like, oh yeah, this does actually feel like home. Australia, yeah. like it feels more like home yeah. than Australia, even though there was none of the fun things I wanted to do. Like I wasn't bodyboarding, wasn't in the, in the ocean. So, and I've spent the last decade in Europe pretty much I haven't really been here um on and off so for me I I got away from it because mm. it was hard mm. but see for you I mean growing up on the north northern beaches right mm. there probably wasn't a lot of interaction no no I'm going to assume no we grew up learning about like I, I, like Captain Cook and it was yeah was it. very whitewashed yeah. view yeah, yeah, of history yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and yeah. I mean, are there strong Aboriginal communities on the northern on the peninsula? Oh, there's strong Aborig Aboriginal communities everywhere. If you yeah. look, um, but like, uh, um, yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah. Were you but interacting like, it at wasn't, that time? It, it, it wasn't like a, um, you know, you'd have like a, a mission or like a, a community that had been set up. Yeah. Up there. No, not really. Nah. So it's like how? So, but then you kind of find yourself in this circumstance where you you're rolling the footy. And, like, what, did you go there to try and find a way to help? Like, was that your No, purpose? I just loved or, or was the way, it just I, I loved the way it felt in there. Like, okay. I just felt good. Like, the... And it was also a love... Um, the potential... And I think that's why I alluded to the rejection in my job now. The yeah, potential yeah. of being rejected by hard asses like, is really exhilarating. <laughs> and also, you know... Um, there's another step to obviously Aboriginal people other yeah. than being rejected. It's like, well, I just like this. There was just a really cool ability to a really cool experience to go into that community, and and yeah. then I became so close to them, like, and it was yeah. so fun. So I suppose it was just, and they made sense too. Like I, I just never fucking understood why we 
live these really disconnected lives of like you go to do a job and then you learn at uni and you sort of do this and do that it's all really compartmentalized and disconnected and mm. when i sat with them it was just like it's all here like and yeah. we just we're all like it's more holistic yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah does that make sense yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it definitely does and that like, i guess it's that wisdom that kind of comes through is that what you're saying like there's just a certain level of wisdom that is there yeah and it's which more we're holistic. not tapping it's not, into you know it, yeah like, it's not it's it's not compartmentalized like yeah. they don't value achievement as much as they value um camaraderie yeah which is so beautiful mm. like and i suppose that's in my dna as a human and i just valued that and mm. um yeah let's fast forward to today because you got this shirt on and this is your mm-hmm. vehicle now that you you kind of enact your passion and your purpose mm. is that fair to say um yeah like i just found a space to be able to be useful with the set of skills that i got i'm i'm a hustler like i'm crazy <laughs> no, i really am like i i just live off this idea of just meeting fascinating people and experience the rejection of getting there and and then also you know the byproduct being like helping people who need it or giving a sense of autonomy and um Mm. to people that wouldn't have been given that within the structures of our current systems and so what is aim what 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 is it all about then (laughs) Um, it it stands for australian indigenous mentoring experience and it was started by an aboriginal guy who um he started the program to be able to mentor kids. It was just, he's he's a rebel. He didn't like Sydney Uni Scholarship where he didn't see any black people going to uni. So he's just like, oh, well, I'll start a mentoring program. And he's a fucking hustler. Like, he's crazy. The Mm. way that he grabbed 20 mates and went down to Alex Park School and, and started doing mentoring. But he told the kids, like, totally flip side of pedagogy and education he told the kids that they they could do whatever they wanted and their heroes just just like see that that you're capable and yeah okay. um and that's what really appealed to the kids and then it succeeded it went from uni to uni and we worked like i jumped on board like after doing a really boring education degree and yeah. these kids asked me to come and talk to their group which was this aim group yeah. and i went and told my bodybuilding story to these aim kids with this gorgeous affection in the room this connection similar like sense of connection i got in like geringer community and i'm like well if i'm gonna be an educator i'm gonna do this like i'm not gonna do lesson plans and fucking listen to my supervisor tell tell me what to do like i just yeah i'm gonna do this so okay. i went i didn't even do my teacher's interview like career suicide i did <laughs> I, I didn't done four years of education and i didn't do so my you qualified interview. as a teacher yeah, yeah, yeah. and you've never and, taught no in that no because sense. i was just like it's so fucking boring like, that's so amazing and um <laughs> and then i sat down with this guy <laughs> as an interview all respect to the teachers out there who might <laughs> listen to this <laughs> um and i um Brenda's not so keen yeah and and uh, I sat down with that guy. I, I told him a story about how 15k's out to sea. I jumped off the boat because I wanted to lead this little group of people in the possibility of us getting the cover shot and inspiring people around the world. Um, and that's the kind of leadership I want to be in my life, you yeah. know. And I told him the story of you know salty dogs and all that. Yeah. Like, and I was, and he's like, 
they called me up later and they gave me the manager's job of the job that I applied for. And I was okay. like, man, I've never worked a full-time job in my life. I've worked like 30 jobs around the world to hustle through bodyboarding, but I've never... And, and he's like, no, we'll back you. And, and the next five, six years, I've been working for him seven years now, and the next yeah. next couple of years were just fucking so painful. Like, sure. Oh, just like corporate atmosphere. Like, I was dry-reaching in the car park every morning of work for the first three months the anxiety I, was really strong well yeah like there was this yeah. expectation to be a manager yeah i didn't even know what that was like yeah 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 it was like i had to try to apply leadership capacity in a bodyboarding setting which i'd sold myself as which i was good at but to manage a like very framed up educational program mm. it's like it was such a leap yeah and i had to learn all these skills yeah. really quickly and it was i remember i drank a long neck every night for like three years because i was so stressed <laughs> <laughs> um and but it was a i just had to find some way of surviving you know like and yeah. a long neck every night will it'll get you through it well, it helped. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. It did. It what did type help. of long neck was your choice? What were you oh, going man, for? I, VB dan- or to his I danced between like I love a um, Cooper's Green. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and sweet. and I'd always pop the cap off on the off, off on the fucking the wheelie bin out the back of it, <laughs> and then I'd walk home down the and I'd just be like, by the time I got home, it was like three quarters empty. Epic. And I'd just be like, oh, life's all right. Like, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, if it was a Cooper's Red, you would have been stumbling by the end there. Yeah, every now and then. Every, every now, now and then it was a Red? Yeah, every now and then I'd, I'd crack a Red. The sparkling. Yeah, yeah, or I'd go two Greens. <laughs> two <yeah>. Greens. <laughs> just double, double fist it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't double fist Greens. No way. But I'd be like, yeah, I... The first couple of three, six and three while, years, though. three years. You reckon? I reckon I had a long every night for at least a year, but then yeah. I, like the the other sort of years around that, I would just alternate and try to give up, and then alternate and try to give up. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, like, yeah. But it's like, but coming to it today, like, what are the main things you're working on today so that people can tune in or, or kind of connect up well I mean I think it's really interesting so there is still this connection to indigenous people that is still yeah, and that's the focus and that because, wasn't even your purpose right, again so this, just, is, this is where yeah. the God stuff comes in I'm yeah, like, okay, cool. when I'm like you know, why has my life gone this way like why so the only reason I did education is because I, I like kids and I, I like sport you know yeah. I'm pretty good at science so I'll do PE education. Of course. So I landed in PE education, the most boring fucking four years on the planet. And then I'm like, where's my way out? Like, but then all the way through, there's always been this sense. When I saw Aboriginal people when we were surfing and Gowrie when I was fucking 11, yeah. I was fascinated. Yeah, I was yeah. completely connected. I thought it was cool that these guys came through into the bakery and people stepped away when they walked in yeah. and I was like fuck I want to be your friend like I want to yeah, be yeah, yeah. in you and with you and how do you even fucking live your life as an Aboriginal person I was fascinated yeah, yeah. I wanted to be and I love being friends with people that are criticised I like I like 
whenever I was at school, I'd always talk to the nerd table. I'd walk past yeah, the nerd yeah, yeah. table and just sit with them because I, I reckon they were fucking cool. Like I just rich thought, today, probably too. Oh, they, they, uh, no, no, no. Like, they get it done. They, they, no, cool no, I, don't, I, noticed, I, I like the fact that people were criticised and I wanted yeah. to be friends with people that yeah. are criticised. Like, I've always been like that. Yeah, and sweet. I really like that. So, when that sort of translated through to working in this organisation, I just mm. thought there's there's a DNA here or a prayer or a spiritual element where I'm just... I'm at home doing this stuff, I suppose. Yeah. That's cool. But, like, with the work today then, so what, what is the... What does AIM actually... What What is your kind of... You're managing... Yeah, I don't program. manage anymore. What are you so doing So, I'm literally doing what I did in bodyboarding, but just with recruiting funky characters. Okay. So, like, going to the biggest, gnarliest things and recruiting people to be on board our program. So, yeah. whether it be ambassadors, funders... Okay. Or, um, yeah, so I'm just sort of free reign now doing my thing. My boss gives me that free reign. He's because he trusts my work ethic and heart yeah. behind what I'm doing. Yeah. And what are the kind of big milestones ahead for you in this work? Like, what are you well, last ultimately week, trying to... Yeah, yeah, like, what's an example? Yeah, so last week I, I found... Well, last week we founded a university. We literally made oh, as a you university. Do. Um, and we've invited... Because we work with 20,000 young people, right? And yeah. we expanded globally across six countries... And we had 16 years of, like, being able to prove through, like, KPMG and all the big cats and the Australian government that we were... What was what we're doing was working. Yeah. But it was pretty fucked because we got all our money from... as like, guilt money of rich people that were raping the land. Oh, no, we had, didn't take all money, but, like, it <laughs> was, like... great stuff. Like, I we took it. money from... From corporate donors who were doing corporate the wrong donors thing. that went back to business as usual. Of and, no, but they weren't doing the wrong thing. They're probably good and they wanted to do help and they do help and stuff. But it's like they're not helping the system because it's perpetuating the disadvantage. Yes, like, yes. So it's like we saw. All right, we're getting kids through school, but they're just walking into systems that are already institutionally fucked anyway. And that's great. They're getting through school, but their teachers aren't changing, or the the CEOs of big orgs aren't changing. Nah. So it's like, all right, what do we do? So we just founded a university with the element that we're offering opportunities for the mentoring, yeah. as well as we've got a teacher training program, an executive co-CEO program we're offering, and then and then like a citizens um, program where anyone can sign up. They claim they're going to do a project to make the world a fairer place. Okay, they can literally sign up and go. Um, yeah, I'll do this kind of immersive 10 hours on Zoom, which is like the theory element of the university, and then yeah. I'll go and do a cool project and stay connected to a global cluster called AIM yeah. and and make the world a fairer place. So we've kind of opened up these five streams going, yep, we're going to mentor kids, we're going to give them opportunities, give people otherwise seen as the problem, the stage to be the solution. It's kind yeah. of like that's our thing. And then we're going to try to get these other players in the story yeah in to try to make the world actually shift a bit yeah take one percent of the people that own 50 percent of the world's wealth try yeah. to actually look at how they can holistically engage rather than sign a check and go back to business as usual so uh, holistically engage meaning taking on a co-ceo program which they have a marginalized young person shadow them in business for a year and they can yeah, then, right they can then glean from those 
business intelligences rub off on the diversity of the organization and the culture of the organization but then also have you know a more diverse boardroom for yes, example yeah, yeah. um yeah so there's and this is just initiating now oh we've been working on it for years but yeah we launched it two two weeks ago it's funny it's um it just kind of struck me as you were saying that that when we we're talking about your relationship with christianity and then your kind of transcendence of it because there's this frame around it it's almost like the work you're doing is also trying to transcend beyond the frame i agree so it's kind it's of like really interesting on a, on a personal level you kind of took it and now in your work through aim you seem to be with a bunch of other legends that are trying to because re- it's really hard i think for people a lot of us out there don't see these structural barriers that that perpetuate the inequality mm-hmm. so then when we get excited about like okay a bunch more aboriginal kids are going through uni now yay but yeah, they're exiting stuff. into a world yeah, that into a world is still that inherently racist anyway, and, like, yeah, yeah yeah so it's really funny that um so what you, you you're in that kind of paradigm breaking space yeah, with your work now and you did yeah. it on a personal level and I already suppose for viewers like it's really fascinating that mining in australia essentially by extension chooses our leaders oil (laughs) oil mining in u.s by extension chooses our leaders so where our whole governments and systems are run off like corporations so like if we've got any like viewpoint if we're sitting on the moon looking down at australia it's like okay these big things that run half the earth it's like all based on a business which is like perpetuating disadvantage it's like fuck how how fucked up are they like (laughs) (laughs) you know like um so why don't zoom back and let's not get caught up in the nitty-gritty and like we'll zoom back and just go all right well how can we like just shift this a little bit yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) well it's like the idea of you know like the most recent kind of mainstream example of this is the is the debacle and the absolute shame of um of rio tinto blowing up the Mm. the caves in wa Mm. these sacred sites whilst at the same time i'm sure they've even got an indigenous program in there you know like they've probably got these things within their system and at the same time they go and destroy things and and extract from the land and don't recognize um connection to country connection to sites and whatnot it's just yeah there's this kind of um there's definitely this framework around it and yeah it's 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 um pretty disturbing how connected it all is into our politics and you know we're going through that again now with the the recovery from um from covid with this idea that we're going to extract more gas and you know make all this money again to Mm. you know we're just going to destroy a lot of livelihoods and a lot of a lot of connection Mm. to our own landscape and country through that process so i mean wow that's um i mean it's a really cool it's so weird you know talking about this stuff some people are gonna be like they would have clicked off the podcast like as soon as we started talking away from bodyboarding and we didn't even start talking oh, about bodyboarding. No, no, no. I think like, I think the, the interesting thing I find with the podcast is you like, cause I, I get a lot of feedback and I, I hear from a lot of people in there and thanks to everyone who does that. Um, they, they really enjoy, I think the mental health discussion is really important to people because everybody has a connection to it, whether it's a personal one or it's a, or it's a friend who's going through something. So I think like, 
going through that is really important. And I mean, for me, it's just really great and really refreshing to talk to you about this connection to Aboriginal people in Australia and, and Indigenous issues and challenges and opportunities. Because I think like the majority of the audience is Australian that listens to this, but people in other countries have Indigenous populations who they interact with and probably have that same um, either interest or... Yeah, I've actually travelled you know, to a lot of different countries, a similar narrative. Yeah, um, yeah. Australia's actually like sort of dubbed as the oldest um, kind of culture but there's there's a lot of colonization stories that uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're pretty much every they're the same kind of story yeah. right and it's and it's a real shame because i i think um you know i just think it's really cool that you've been given that um you know you've been given that access by the sounds of things into into a few things in australia that a lot of white fellas probably haven't had the chance or the willingness to put themselves out there to experience mm. which is really cool and mm. A lot of it's stuff that I haven't experienced myself, but it's um it's definitely a journey that I know I'm on personally, and it's um it's definitely important to me as an Australian that um that anything we do. I mean, one of the ideas I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is probably something that relates to your work a bit, but like it's interesting to consider if you're going to do an initiative at all in Australia. It doesn't really matter what it is, but the idea of what is a truly Australian initiative, if you're gonna do something whether that be a business or some other organization like what does it mean to be an australian anything and and what are the considerations that you should make when you're figuring out who you're going to employ or how you're going to set up your governance Mm. and what your mission and purpose is going to be if you're an australian anything yeah and it's so complex eh? yeah, because you really can complex. just kind of go all right um out of guilt or make half my workforce black. <laughs> yeah. and like anything is kind of like we're talking about like anything that comes from compulsion or fear anything that comes from guilt it's like mm. the the product ultimately is not going to be that helpful even yeah. if you're professing to serve a certain purpose do you know what i mean yeah 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 <laughs> yeah compulsion or fear yeah yeah, yeah. So, no, it's an interesting conversation. and I mean, look, we're at the hour mark. I think you've got to go back to work. No, that's all right. I'm, the reason I'm looking distracted is I feel really dizzy for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Might be the ice bath <laughs> and the conversation going to new levels. But um, I, I think we're at the sweet spot, though. But, like, I mean, in wrapping up, what do you... Oh, shit, we covered a lot of good stuff here. So, there's really... I feel like we kind of hit a, hit a really good, good stride here. But... Yeah, I'm happy to keep going, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, coming back to, like your own engagement with getting in the water i mean i know i saw this story oh, yeah, recently asked that, why did i stop yeah yeah like, like let's cover that but like sure answer that if you can if you if you if mm. you feel like it um but then you know like where does it fit for you today like in terms of your you know why did you stop sure let's go there first mm. and then maybe just follow up like today how does bodyboarding mm. feature in your life and mm things like that so why'd you bloody stop what uh, why did I stop um like I there's a couple of answers to that like you know partly because I achieved everything I wanted to achieve like I wanted to catch the biggest wave in the world get on front covers inspire people I sort of did that and almost killed myself mentally hmm. physically almost killed myself but I'm like a, kind of just yeah i did it it was awesome yeah. i really loved that i yeah. did it and but then like you sort of live in this world where 
I got married and. G'day. <laughs> and one of the results of that. <laughs> one of the results of that is. is running with a paint roller <laughs> towards the chickens. Yeah. Um, no, like, and then you're like, all right. What's that? You're having something to eat? No, I'm harvesting. You're oh, harvesting, you're harvesting the, wheat. the wheat. Yeah. With, with Wheezy. With yeah. Wheezy. Yeah, Wheezy's tractor Tom's um, friend day. Oh, cool. <laughs> Good on you, Rex. I was going to say this. Hey, Rex, see, this language. is my friend Josh. Hey, so, Rex. Hi, Josh. Hey, mate. I don't want to disturb your harvesting. You should get that wheat before it goes to seed. Um. Yeah, so you got yeah. married. Yeah, well, no. And that sounds really cynical, but uh, you get married and you're like, all right, cool, we're in this partnership now, and we've got like rent to pay, bills to pay, and yeah. um, some, and I want to be happy. So, all right, cool, you want to tick yeah. those things off. You're sitting in the coffee shop. Oh, we're sitting in the coffee shop. Yeah, we are in your coffee shop. So, like, is it all right if we sit here and have a chat though? Yeah. Do you want to make us a coffee afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. But but this is my cubby house near it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I picked it because it was such a nice cubby house. And it's out of the sun. Because <laughs> you can get a bit burnt. It's got five minutes, sweet <laughs> <health>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so marriage, responsibility. Well, well, well you kind of like, alright, yeah. so there's this like kind of couple of ingredients. There's mm. kind of like, um, yeah, you've got like rent and other things you want to do, mm. right, with your life to live in a house. Um, and so there has to be a certain amount of like income yeah. and then you're like, okay, cool, I'll get a job. And then you're like, if you've got a job or sort of semi-commitments, it's like, mm -hmm. you just want to... Yeah. <laughs> and uh, tell me, tell me. Yeah, tell what's me. up, Rex? Hey. Yeah. You know that, um... <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah, he's got his sand pit there. Oh. Oh, you got some sand pit times. Dig, dig, Diggle and Mimsy made him that sand pit, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Can I play in the sand pit with you in a little while, Rex? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come yeah. on, man. I'll build a ca Can I build a castle with you later? Yeah. We can dig a hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you had to get a job. You know, like, so this was getting out of, leaving the board behind. So, like, all right, yeah. so it, to, to catch waves, right, you yeah. got, uh, we got it down to that such a nuance that it is a full-time thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. you got, you, you, you travel to waves to get you know, six foot plus scoop and barrels. So, yeah. you, but where do you get them? Well, you, you sort of build your whole sort of months around those little missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you supplement that with a part-time job, whatever. But, you know, I did that for a couple of years. Yeah. And and I think my last tax return was like, I earned 30 and spent 20 or something. So yeah. it was like 10 grand, 52 weeks a year. Yeah, you yeah. just can't pay rent. You nah. can't do... And that's cool. I didn't... I actually didn't... Um, just... I'm not resentful about that. It's like I wanted to do other things to be happy, which was have a great life 
with the people that I was with and my mm. wife and eventually kids. And well, how do I do that? Well, I'd take 15 minutes every morning to go for a run, which is a wonderful endorphin kick and meditation mm. now. And and then I have a really lovely flow to my day. Mm. And it doesn't include trying to get a flight to WA to surf a bombing because, like, it's just not, like... Like, that'd be kind of fun. But I get such a beautiful buzz out of doing the things I'm currently doing. Mm. Like, which is, like, what I want to do. Mm. <laughs> so, it's like, what, what people ask me, why don't I bodyboard? Well, that's sort of the reason, like. You don't yeah. feel like. No, like, well, I don't feel you got other good I don't, things well, to do. I've got other cool things to do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I like what I'm doing. So, it's like, <laughs> why do I have to bodyboard? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I know what you're talking about. You got other interests. Yeah, I got other interests. You know, like and it's yeah. okay. I did bodyboarding for twenty years. Like, yeah, yeah. Every and day. You lived and it, lived and breathed <laughs> yeah. it for that long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think we answered that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a really I'll, I'll go for bodyboard with anyone. <laughs> I want to take me bodyboarding, but like, I'll, go, convince I'll me. go with you if you want. <laughs> I'll admit that I would probably do other things instead, though, if I had my choice. That's great. That's great. I think it speaks to also that kind of. Um, you're not a one-dimensional guy you know like it's a lot of us have other things in our lives like you know like and i think a lot of people listening to this they're not only bodyboarders either so that, i think they get it i think it's just this um this thing about when you know you watch a guy and get inspired by them and you you want to keep you want you want to consume what they're mm, doing yeah, you know yeah, you yeah, want to be on yeah, that yeah, journey yeah. with so them that's you know? partly, so kind of, that's partly it's a selfish thing that yeah, we all yeah, have you yeah, know yeah yeah and i feel that coming at me when i yeah. get comments on instagram it's yeah. like what are you doing like yeah like, cool but it, it's sort of like it's almost an illusion that i am the big wave surfing brendan because um that's that's a wonderful sense of inspiration that you got but the complexity in real human relationships is multifaceted like yeah uh, you know, like people are heroes. So, for example, the basketball player that grew up worshiping Jordan. Like, yeah. if he's not playing basketball anymore, what is Jordan? Like yeah. You know, like. But it's really hard for like. I mean, <laughs> he's a human he's being a human with that's... some beautiful, complex things going on in his world. Like, <laughs> and he plays a shitload of golf and smokes cigars a Does lot. He? That's all I know. Yeah, that's all I know. But like, you know, I know what you mean. But it's interesting. So you never, by the sounds of things. And this is like something that's I'm always fascinated by the by the breakup. Myself, I'm fascinated with the breaking off of the bodyboard relationship. Yeah. Because for me, I broke it off really quite prematurely in my I was twenty three or twenty four when yeah. I just vanished. Yeah. Because I had a bad experience and I couldn't pr- deal with it and I hated it. Yeah. So I left yeah. and hated it for a yeah. long time, yeah, and that's right. well documented already. I'd, I'd love to know that and mm. talk about that, and I'll probably dig up some podcasts you might have talked about it. I don't know. Yeah, but it was yeah. more just about I had a bad experience with this. Um, this I was in the running for the world title. Maui event came on. I was over there for it at Honolulu Bay. They had a phone service to ring up to um, see if the comp was on because it was before social media and like good communication. Mm. So you'd call up the hotline, is it on today? And I was staying on the south side of Maui, so it was mm. like a 45 minute drive. Mm. Anyway, called it up, said it wasn't on. I was in the quarterfinals. Long shot, I was on the out. Like, you know, it was mm. Tamago, Kingy, and all yeah. those guys going yeah. for it. Leicester as well. Winnie too, I think. But like, um, I missed the heat. 
oh, I missed the day. Yeah. Like, I basically didn't turn up because it said it wasn't on. Yeah. But they just hadn't updated the phone line. Yeah. And so I just played soccer on the beach with my mates and yeah. had a beautiful sunny day in Maui. Yeah. Found out at 7 p.m. that the comp was on and done and to the point that everyone had already gotten on flights back to Oahu. Yeah. So the island was empty of bodyboarders. Yeah. <laughs> and Kingy was world champion again. Anyway, that was really devastating. And that just like, you know me from yeah. back in the day, I was, a comp- I was into competition. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. much more focused on that. So it was really devastating, and I never, instead of processing it as a twenty-one-year-old, I just fucking yeah, I hate this. And I'm out. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. So then you know to come back in. So then I, I always, and I also was anxious about the future. You know, like I needed to go to uni. I needed to get ready for the real world. Yeah, yeah. So and I think a lot of bodyboarders yeah get struck by like they build these careers up. And they've got these expectations of some kind of success or, mm. you know, how do they set up a life? And then it doesn't, it doesn't work out. Like it's not a, it never seems to be this thing that can set up a sustainable financial future. Mm. But what I'm getting from you is it wasn't that you didn't have that problem because you felt like you'd achieved the things you wanted to achieve anyway mm. you know you've climbed your own mountains in bodyboarding you've achieved the big wave stuff you've scooped into some great things you've leveraged it for for a purpose to inspire people mm. and then when it came to the time of not bodyboarding you yeah. were just like sweet that, I'm, into, I, I I'm that, into other stuff yeah that's the retrospective romantic version of the story but yeah. the tension of like trying to re-enter having all these missing parts of my life that, yeah. that was a shit fight and, and I've only really got reconciliation of that in the last five years yeah. okay so yeah. there so, was this shock so that's the story still. I tell yeah but that's only a retrospective kind of okay so there was the drama because you know one of those things you're saying these people are like what are you bodyboard anymore yeah, and like yeah, for yeah. me it was yeah. the worst thing in Foster when people were like oh how's the tour going and I'm yeah. like I don't I don't bodyboard. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm. Wow. Yeah. So it's like this thing. Like, is that the only way they know me? Mm. Like, is that all I am? This bodyboard kid from Foster. Mm. And it it it's really hard yeah. when you're a young guy, so, I think, yeah, to yeah. to like see that other people only see you as one thing. So cool to hear story, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I'm loving yours. Yeah. I'm loving yours. But like, so has it been hard for you to deal with that question about what are you bodyboard? Like, do yes. you feel bad? Or have you felt... Yeah, it has been hard, yeah. 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 I think a lot of people are going to understand way better now mm. <laughs> that it's not a big yeah. deal, that it's all good. Yeah, yeah. And, like, ultimately, like, I like being at peace and I love being happy, you know? Yeah. And, and that's so cool when you get to see, when you have day-to-day life, which has got really nice happiness to it. Yeah. Like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, like, I it's mean... It's the best thing on, planet, on the yeah, planet. Like, yeah. I, I... So... Yeah. It's weird, eh, life? Like, well, you've got, like, 36 years and then you sort of maybe figure out a little part of it that you've always hungered for, but yeah. you don't know what you're hungering for. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, but it's growing up, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's, um, I don't know, the, the, the challenges. I mean, these are the things that shape us as well and the way we react to them and, and what we're willing to... I think it's about also for me it's been about like how am I able to admit that I'm vulnerable and hurt 
and am I able to allow myself to confront it and do something about it? Yeah, and I lovely. Think, I that's think that's actually like, what comes down to. Yeah, though. I think yeah, so. Yeah, 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 I think so. And and that's a repeating. Yep. Every day, almost cyclical. Like, man, there's going to be something yeah, else yeah, that yeah, comes yeah, up, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's going to yeah. be another it's really challenge. Really cool, man. It's really brave to be able to say that. Oh, it's, yeah. I just think it's the reality. It's definitely in practice. I guess you'd know. Like it's, I mean, just I've got this really, I've got this image of you now. This this Brendo dry reaching in the car park in the morning and then freaking out and then sucking on a longie in the afternoon to to process it and get through it mm. and like that's gnarly. Mm. That's a that's a yeah, it's that's really a baptism hard. of bloody fire but right it's, there. It's all it's also like I saw it as a real gift to actually have that space to mm. fast track a the 10 years I spent bodyboarding mm. you know and that's essentially what my boss gave me which I'm really thankful for mm. and like now I'm really ha- yeah yeah it's like you're really happy yeah I'm gonna leave it on that positive note <laughs> the whole thing's been positive but um thanks thanks for the strong coffee that shot <laughs> the shot of life I got thanks for the ice bath and um yeah, I don't know. Thanks for the inspiration and the the warm the warm welcome after so many years. It's been really good hanging yeah, out. Yeah, sick man. Yeah, it's been great. Really good. Good catch up. I hope everyone enjoyed that. <laughs> the book, the book.